the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. It's Ask the Lawyer with Mike Connors. Got questions concerning elder or state law? Attorney Mike Connors has the answer. He was recognized in 2020 as one of New York's top lawyers by New York Magazine and brings over 30 years' experience to the table. His office number is 718-238-6500. That's 718-238-6500. Here's Mike Connors. We are gathered here on hallowed ground for Welcome to Ask the Lawyer with me, Mike Connors. And if, you know, you haven't listened to the show before, you know, welcome aboard. The show is in two parts. The first part of the show, we talk about estate planning and elder law. And the idea behind estate planning is to pass assets from one generation to the next, paying the least amount in taxes we need to pay legally. And listen, you know, if if you're one of our clients or somebody's thinking about being a client, the one thing that's in my DNA is I want you or your family to pay the least amount in taxes we need to pay legally. We don't want to give money to the government. And as far as elder law is concerned, we try to save assets from nursing home bills. Uh, the second part of the show, we talk about you know politics, history, religion. We're gonna, you know, last week we talked about religion and politics. I guess with, with Father Divine, who I know some of you said was a very remarkable individual. He went to Africa in 1988, started a church there, and now he's got 30-some-odd churches in along East Africa. So we're going to be talking more about him next week. But in the meanwhile, today we have with with us uh, Nicole Donnelly. Welcome, Nicole. Hello, hello. Always a pleasure to be here. Okay, my son Michael's behind the controls. Hello, everyone. Thanks for joining us. All right, Nicole, you got a question that's floating around. So I've been getting a couple of questions like this, and it's I know we've discussed when is it ever too late to do your own estate planning or to go for an estate planning consultation, but this is the opposite. When exactly is the right time to do estate planning? Well, that's a good question, and, uh, you know, I don't want to say it depends because it really doesn't depend. I mean, almost anybody really should have some basic documents even you know some younger kids who go into college maybe should have a healthcare proxy and a power of attorney because you know god forbid a kids in an accident and you need to make medical decisions if you don't have a healthcare proxy that could be a problem and power of attorney too let's say you want to get something done with the tuition or, or whatever else so you know even somebody 18 years old you could argue they should have power of attorney and healthcare proxy if nothing else now if they don't have a will the assets go back to their parents so that's usually not a problem but even in, the, in some cases there, let's say you, you have a kid going to college, for whatever reason, there's a divorce, he's estranged from his mother or his father, um, he's in a car accident, the assets that would go into his estate would go half to his father, half to his mother. 
And a lot of people, that's not quite what they want. So to some extent, you could say everybody needs a will. And, and of course, you go on a few more years. If you have children, you want to appoint a guardian. What does that process look like? I got a lot of back and forth with people coming in and saying, you know, all the parents in my parent group have wills that appoint guardians and trustees and trustees of the person as opposed to trustee of the property. What does that entail? What does the court do when it sees a will like that? Well, you know, the court ordinarily would follow the wishes of the parent, but let's say for the sake of argument you have a child under the age of 18. You can appoint a guardian through a will for that child. Um, and, you know, that the guardian, the job of the guardian is where does the child go to school, where does the child live, you know, those kind of basic decisions to step in the place of the parent. And, you know, it's one of the hardest decisions you have when you're doing a will. But some people confuse that with trustee. The trustee ordinarily would take care of the, the funds that are left to a child. And a lot of parents say, well, I don't have any money, so I don't have to worry about, you know, my kid. Well, if you have a set of parents and they both pass away, there's a good shot there's going to be a pretty big lawsuit out there. And who controls that lawsuit and who manages the money for a child? And we had that in September 11th. We had a, a, a bunch of relatively young people died, had huge amounts of money coming in. And it was left to a child under the age of 18, which means the court holds it, administers it until the kid is 18. And maybe the worst part of it is when the child reaches the age of 18, the child gets all the, the money that's in there. Do you want an 18-year-old to be handling you know, millions of dollars? So ordinarily not. You want somebody to handle the assets. You're going to say something. If I was that 18-year-old, I would certainly want to be handling all these assets. <laughs> I don't know. What was your judgment like when you were 18? fantabulous if i do say so myself <laughs> okay well in some cases maybe you know that's okay you were on your way to law school back then so um and, and this is something we talked about before we went on the show today uh it's almost never done but i think it's probably a good idea you can appoint a guardian through a deed and record it and i i I would bet the clerk's office would, would look at you like you got two heads if you're trying to record it. But um, the idea behind it, you know, like if you go through probate, you appoint uh, a guardian through your will. It's going to go through probate, and the judge is going to take a look at it. It's going to go through, depending on who your other relatives are, who's your next of kin, who's not. Um, it could take months, if not years, to get through probate. And, of course, if, if you have a, a husband or wife, and they have children, and they're both in a car accident, believe me, you're going to go through probate anyway because you want an executor appointed to be able to, you know, sue whatever it was, the bus, the plane uh, company, the airline company, the, the truck that hits you, whatever. Um, so you're probably going to bring a lawsuit to, to against somebody anyway, so you're going through probate. But in the meanwhile, the kids could be waiting. Now the judge would could sign a temporary guardian, but you, in theory, can go, you sign a deed recording, you know, record it with the county clerk saying, I appoint so-and-so to be guardian of my minor children. And that a deed can be recorded, and that's done relatively quickly. I would dare say that if you went into a county clerk's office, they, again, would look at you like you got two heads. But it can be done, and it in some cases, it should be done. It's right in the statute. If anybody has a question about that, I know some people out there are going to say, what are you talking about? 
But if you look at the uh, look at the law, you can appoint a guardian, you know, by deed, and it's not going to go through probate. This is where the written law and the practice of law have not met. I would dare say you're right because I haven't seen in my 40 some odd years of practice I have not seen somebody appoint a guardian by deed. But in theory I think it's a good idea. The thing is when you're starting to do this planning and doing this kind of stuff, you're very rarely thinking about that if you got a husband and wife that both of them are going to die in an accident together, which statistically doesn't happen very often. Um it happens, it's like plane crashes, they happen, but they don't happen statistically. Um, I'm not talking about if you're flying a small plane or something like that. I'm talking about, you know, like a commercial airline crash. Statistically, it doesn't happen. It does happen every 20 years or so, but it, it doesn't really happen. And husband and wives dying together in today's world really doesn't happen, you know, very often. It, uh, again, it's really the, the exception to the rule. But no matter what, you should have a will because, again, whether you that does happen and you want to appoint a guardian and two something could happen where husband died look at what happened tragically in texas the wife dies in the um relatively young people the wife dies in in the gun fire and the husband dies of grief a few days later mm-hmm. i mean something like that happens and i mean older people sometimes it happens um especially older people you know husband dies natural causes wife's upset and she dies a month or two later of natural causes so everybody should have a will and and even that younger person that we're talking about i can tell you right now there are younger people out there like that something happens to them their car accident and half the assets go to an estranged father now in theory under the law if the father abandoned the child the father does not inherit from the child and of course it could be the mother that very rarely happens um, but we've been through those cases where we try to get a, you know, father disqualified from inheriting from his child because the father was a career criminal, the one case that I remember. And of his 20 years of adulthood, he spent like 18 years in different federal and state institutions behind bars. And he did very little to support his children. In that scenario, would you say a court proceeding like that is literally just a battle of who tells the better story? It could be, but the the, the gentleman that I was thinking about, um, he wasn't the smartest guy in the world and probably did not come up with the best story. Lucky for could. those people. Right. <laughs> Lucky for the other children. You know, because he, like I said, he didn't come up with the best story in the world. But, you know, it's hard to come up with a story if you're in jail most of the time, and everybody knows you're in jail most of the time. I mean, you would think he would have had a lot of time to think about the story if he was in jail for that long, but I mean, I guess. Yeah, well, you know, the problem is a lot of these people who commit crimes don't think real well. Fair. Now, another thing that's been coming up when we talk about people just appointing guardians and trustees in their will, these are relatively younger people. They're still working. They just want to get it done. So I'm seeing a lot of these kits, and I wouldn't be myself if I didn't call out these kits because we all know how I feel about them. I absolutely hate the kits. And they have a whole bunch of documents, and they kind of leave it up to chance for the people. And I don't see why people are investing in them, but they are. 
is it worth doing a kit if you just want to appoint a guardian and a trustee? I I share your um I don't know what you would call it your attitude toward those kits disdain when, yeah whether you print them up off the internet or whether you buy a kit at a stationery store I don't think you see them as much sold on stationery stores as it used to but you know you, you here you're trying to save a few hundred dollars in some cases and you're going to put the life of your children you're going to screw up the life of your children by not filling out the kit in, in the right way and you know what really infuriates me is um some of these trust kits because if you have a trust and you, you've got a few million dollars worth of assets you're trying to save and i've seen it you try to save a couple hundred dollars in a will or a trust and screw up a four million dollar estate i mean we've seen that happen where it went to court for you know five years mm -hmm. you know because somebody used one of those will kits the witnesses were not um not readily available they didn't necessarily know what they were signing when they signed the will and then you know like a lot of those kits you never go into the what ifs you know, like you say, well, I appoint my brother to be the executor. And then next thing you know, the brother dies and you don't have an alternate executor. I mean, that that's one of the biggest problems, I think, with some of these kits. You don't have what ifs. And, you know, they, they say, okay, um, we talked about the recording office a few minutes ago. They say, okay, fill out the deed here and bring it to your recording office to sign. Well, you go into a recording office in New York City. And you tell me if you can get a deed recorded, you just give them a copy of the deed, and they're going to help you record the papers. And, I mean, if you looked at the papers, you're not going to understand them. I'm not going to understand them in the first reading of the papers. Um, I couldn't actually, to be honest with you right now, I don't think I could record a deed. And I've been supervising deeds for, you know, 40 years. I don't think, yes, I, I used to be able to record the deeds, but that was when we weren't going through ACRIS and computers and you had to fill out the forms. I remember once we, you know, had a paralegal and a lawyer here, both, you know, dear to my heart, who used to get in knockout, drag out fights that the attorney could not just cross out a name <laughs> and put it through the system because <laughs> you couldn't just cross out with a computer. Um, but, you know, like I said, I don't know how to record a deed today. And we have a couple of people here who do know how to record deeds, but. Do you know how to record a deed? Me? I do not. But in my defense, Mr. Carr is busy, so deed recording is just not on my to-dos. Well, that's one of the things. You don't reinvent the wheel. If you've got three, four people who can record deeds, there's no sense having ten people record deeds. And, I mean, the main thing is, you know, to get the plan done right, to carry out the plan. And, you know, and like I said, if, if you read some of those will kits, they say, okay, We'll bring a copy of the deed down to the recording office. Now, that works if you live in Florida. Mm -hmm. If you have a, a simple piece of paper that's a deed and it says it's a deed and you bring it to the recording office in Florida, that's going to work. And, you know, sometimes I tell clients this. You know, like if you want to, let's say you own a property here in New York and a property in Florida, um, you could probably get the deed recorded in Florida without a major hassle. You go to some, somebody local there or a title company there, and they can do it cheaper than we can do it. Um, our, their expenses are lower plus they can walk across the street and do it of course some people say no i want to get it all done i want to get it done right and they're willing to pay that but um 
you know, New York deeds, New York City deeds in particular, are very, very complicated. And there are a lot of tax questions. And, you know, sometimes in Pennsylvania, there are a lot of tax questions. In Pennsylvania, um, you do a deed into a trust in Pennsylvania, and in a lot of cases, they'll stick you with some taxes here and there because Pennsylvania's got some weird rules and regulations, and every county is slightly different according to my understanding. Mm -hmm. So, like I said, it's those kits, you want to transfer property with a deed, you know, don't do it. And then, and then I see also, you know, like people transfer properties in a deed through, you know, just sign some papers and get them notarized. And they've totally screwed up their life tax-wise. You, I know you've had some examples. Taxes are a big thing. And, and now that we're talking about taxes, I love everybody's accountants. Don't get me wrong. I really do. But when it comes to paying your taxes for your estate or any estate planning taxes that you may think may come up because your house is in a trust, just consult your lawyer. Your accountant, I love him. I swear I do. He is not reading your 25-page trust for free. He does not care. Just call us or call somebody who does care to read it, and they will tell you if you will pay capital gains if you sell your house out of a trust. I've gotten this question 4,000 times, and I don't know what to do about it. I want to do like a general announcement to all the accountants. The Connors and Sullivan Trust, if the house is in the trust, there are no capital gains. Unless you sell it during your lifetime, at which point there are still capital gains. Depending on, but your residence, even with the trust, you still get the five, assuming you're married, you get a $500,000 exclusion. And what a lot of people don't realize, and let's say you have a million dollar property, a husband dies, you know, let's say recently, property's worth a million dollars. And assuming they bought the property after 1977, because the different rules that apply before 1977, but assuming the property was born after 1977 and the property's worth a million dollars, husband dies, wife gets the stepped-up basis on her half of the house, she gets 500 grand tax-free. If she sells within two years of her husband's passing, she's going to get his 250,000. I think most of you know if you sell your personal residence, the first 250,000 dollars of capital gain is tax-free. You're not taxed on it. So you get the $250,000 tax-free if you sell within two years of the husband's passing. And then the wife keeps her own $250,000 tax-free. So if you have a million-dollar house that you paid nothing for, you bought it in 1960. Well, if you bought it in 1966, there are different rules because you bought it before 1977. So let's say you bought it in 1978 for $50,000 and you sell it for a million dollars in that example that I just gave you, you do not pay capital gains taxes. You go to your closing, you pay your closing costs. After you pay your closing costs, that million dollars goes out tax-free. And and another pet peeve, which I had this conversation today, please do not read the Internet on the taxation of trusts or whatever because there, there are a couple of problems with the Internet. Some of the articles are good and okay, and but some of them are written by lawyers who have graduated from law school and have no practical experience or they're out of work and they're just reading books and they haven't they haven't you know worked practically and you know you read something about an irrevocable trust and you say well if you have an irrevocable trust you've made a gift and you got to pay capital gains taxes yeah that's true for a lot of irrevocable trust if you're worth 20 million dollars and we're trying to get assets out of your estate 
to make gifts to your children and you got $20 million, yeah, we might do that. And maybe if you sell that property that you're giving away to your kids, yeah, maybe they're going to have to pay capital gains. But assuming you got a state in New York, a married couple under $12 million, you're not gonna, we're not going to do a trust where you got to have to pay capital gains taxes upon death. And, you know, or you don't lose the 250 exclusion. You know, if, if it's your personal residence, of course, some people get confused about that. It's got to be your personal residence. Now, guys, I know we've said this before. Estate planning is not rocket science. But if you could follow all that, you might as well be a rocket scientist because, come on, that's a lot. And that's a lot that not many people are putting together. And mind you, all that math was done in his head. He's a genius. Well, I'm not bad at math, but I don't think that's quite genius level. You know, you got to be able to add and subtract. And that's about it. Taxes are a lot easier than they used to be because because of computers. Have you, you met people no- nowadays? <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, we are going to be doing seminars. If you want to learn more about estate planning, we are going to be doing seminars at the end of the month. Nicole, what seminar are you going to be at? I'm going to be at the one at Buckley's. I believe that's on the 27th. And why are you going to be at the one at Buckley's? Because I like the food at Michael's. <laughs> that's all what it's about okay well i think we're coming up to our the end of our first segment so we'll be back in a few minutes we're going to be talking to alec brooke crosney uh who was a democrat for years and years represented a lot of people from coney island and bay ridge in the 46th assembly district and now he's switched to being a republican so we're going to congratulate him on that switch and we'll be talking to him in a few minutes you listen to ask the lawyer with me mike Connors. always a pleasure guys How can I protect my family if something happens to me? What if I need to go to a nursing home? What will happen to our savings, our home? What's the best way to give my home to my kids? Who will help us take care of Grandpa? These and many other questions can be answered with a phone call to Connors & Sullivan Attorneys at Law, PLLC, 718-238-6500. Mike Connors, one of New York Magazine's top lawyers, has over 30 years of estate planning and elder law experience. Mike and his team of professionals will help you protect your assets from probate, taxes, and nursing home costs so you can have peace of mind knowing you and your family will be taken care of and protected. I'm Mike Connors, founder of Connors & Sullivan. People don't plan to fail, they fail to plan. The time to plan is now. I'm Beth Connors. Call today for a free initial consultation with one of our experienced lawyers. Connors and Sullivan in Brooklyn, Queens, Manhattan, and Staten Island. Call 718-238-6500, 718-238-6500, or connorsandsullivan.com. Do you know how many Christians live in the Middle East? Six million people. Do you know how many Christians need your help? Every single one. Do you know what we can do? With St. Francis in Beirut, we can give them hope. We can give them medicines. We can give them medical equipment. We can give them everything they're looking for. Because some others decided to remove Christianity from the Middle East. But if we will help them every single day, not just to feed them or clothing, it's all about giving them another day with the idea that they are recognized, that we love them, there are cousins, sisters, there are roots. So, St. Francis in Beirut, it's all about helping Christians. And you can be part of that help too. If you want to help Father Paul in his mission, send your donations to St. Francis in Beirut, 213 Stanton Street, New York, New York, 10002.
Do you have somewhere to sleep? Did you eat today? Are you making ends meet? For thousands of New Yorkers, the answer is no. For children and youth, adults, seniors, people struggling with addiction or mental illness, and for the isolated, Catholic Charities of Brooklyn and Queens is there. With 160 programs and more than 4,500 units of affordable housing, Catholic Charities is one of the largest multi-service charitable organizations in the nation. We help change lives and build communities. If you or someone you know needs assistance, call 718-722-6001 or visit CCB. Time now for Connor's Corner, where Mike takes a closer look at topics like history, politics, religion, and more. Here's Mike. Welcome to the Connor's Corner segment of Ask the Lawyer. As we've mentioned before, you know, again, this is an election year and it's important to vote. And we're talking to different candidates around Brooklyn. And we've got, you know, an old friend, Alec Brooke Rosny, who's running for the assembly on the for for 46th Assembly District. Now, you used to represent the 46th, didn't you, Alec? Yes. Um, I've been representing 46th Assembly District from 2007 till 2015. Then I left because uh, of some family issues. Now I'm coming back. But this time you're running as a Republican. This time I'm running as a Republican and the Conservative Party in the Mini. And okay. thank you for well, having if you're me. Running, if you weren't running as a Conservative, maybe you wouldn't be on the show now. <laughs> Rand well, wouldn't let it. Mike, you remember, I was Conservative even as a Democrat. I was a Conservative, so, yeah. All right. Yeah. So why did you switch parties? Well, um, to say um, just in a few words, uh, like a lot of people in this country, in this state, in this city, I just fed up with Democratic Party politics, um, in, a, in, in not a few words, I would say that uh, the Democratic Party just left common sense behind, and for me, common sense was always a very important thing to, to work with as a, as a politician, statesman, rather. So uh, that, was, uh, that was the reason. I, I got to tell you, Mike, that I, I didn't change a bit. The party changed a lot. I'm almost uh, quoting Ronald Reagan now <laughs> when he said, I didn't leave a Democratic Party, party left me. So I'm, I'm just, uh, I, I, I just totally agree. That's what happened to me. That's the same thing that's happened to me. Now, I've, I've been talking to a lot of people, obviously, and it seems in the last few years, a lot of people from the Russian-speaking community have been changing their political ties. Where, where, where's your family from originally? Originally from Moscow, from Russia, Russia. which is uh, 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 these days I've, you're even hesitating to say it because of what's going on in Ukraine, uh, unfortunately. But yes, from Moscow, from Russia, my my family has been a kind of they they were not a dissidents, but they always uh, uh, consider Russian government not uh, not a good friend. So I've been. Uh, I wanted to escape from uh, from the former Soviet Union since I, I remember myself, really. Just uh, uh, maybe when I was 17, that was the first time that I really wanted to to get out of, of that uh, uh, empire. Um, but, you know, it, was, uh, it wasn't that easy. But in 1989, when uh, Gorbachev came to power, he's, he came to power a, a couple years prior to that, but in 1988, when I left uh, former Soviet Union, it was kind of 
kind of easier. You just, uh, you wouldn't face the possibility of losing a job and uh, money and uh, put your family in a, in a bad situation. So 1988 was already uh, a better time. And uh, that's that was the year when I uh, escaped, like many other Russian, uh, uh, Russian Jewish Americans. Because there was the time when... Uh, um, it was the only group of people who were allowed to leave Soviet Union, and um, ironically, it was Israelis' visa. So at that time, we were going to uh, uh, Vienna as an uh, Israeli immigrants, and then we would ask the American consulate for uh, changing the route, so to speak, and 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 uh, go to Italy and ask for permission to enter the United States. That's that was the. Uh, that was the route uh, those days. And talking about uh, political preferences, uh, many of us came uh, during the time where either Ronald Reagan was still a president or his influence was still uh, a big, not only in politics, but in, in this country. Um, you would ask why many Russian-speaking immigrants still register as Democrats at that time. Um, well, you know, we thought that uh, Democratic Party is a party of immigrants. And at that time, a Democratic Party was very different. You know, if, if you remember, um, Mike Geller was a district leader on Shipset Bay at that time. And his club, we called his club, which I was a member of, uh, Giuliani Democrats. So it was a really different Democratic Party. Now it's just impossible to imagine even a Giuliani Democrats. But at that time... Uh, Democrat was not uh, was not a, a a cursing word. Let's put it this way. But and 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 because because we were immigrants, we just uh, kind of thought that the Democratic Party is a party uh, for immigrants. But you know, then a lot of things changed in in this country, and uh, uh, over the years, many uh, Russian. Uh, Jewish immigrants, I should say, uh, became uh, Republicans. You know, there was, um, uh, at the time when we came to this country, it was uh, quite a few programs uh, within the Jewish communal circles and organizations uh, that would advocate in, in politics and, uh, and uh, would help people to register. So... Um, Accidentally, they were registering people Democrats. That's another reason. <laughs> That's another reason why many of us became Democrats. But uh, there, there, there are some other reasons. And uh, another reason that we came to this country because, you know, this is a country of uh, personal freedoms and uh, a country where anybody can become an entrepreneur and... and uh, um, have a, a, a real control of your own life and uh, that's something that would be then once you once you understand what's going on around once you're not an immigrant anymore but becoming an American you you understand that the Republican Party kind of an alliance with with that more than the Democratic Party so I guess I just listed a few but probably most important reasons why why we changed. What issues are coming up that you think are important in this year's election for New York State, the New York State Legislature? 
like safety, of course. And uh, um, first that come to mind is safety and the subway system, safety in the schools. Uh, and um, I kind of, it, it, it just, it might be because I'm, uh, by nature, I'm an entrepreneur, I'm a businessman. I might just um, talking usually and thinking more about the solutions rather than just conversations about it. So, uh, and it's hard to find the solutions. It's hard because what happened to this uh, city within the last, I would say, eight plus years during the de Blasio administration is something that uh, brought this city to the to the situation of the 70s or maybe beginning of 80s uh, in terms of safety. And uh, um, it just, the... Um, I, I think it's by 90% it's uh, a policy of a democratic party. Policy that would reject uh, things like stop and frisk. Uh, policy that would reject uh, supporting the police, the very force that's providing safety and security uh, to our city. In fact, every elected official, mayor included, uh, when we're swearing in, the first thing that we're swearing in that on, on, on the idea of providing safety and security to our constituents. Um, and then, a couple of years ago, just many elected officials, uh, Democratic Party elected officials, they just turn on the police. And I just, I, I couldn't understand it. But the first time I heard defund the police, I realized that it's probably time to uh, split my my ways, my path with the Democratic Party because it's absolutely unlogical. It's just unlogical. Um, and so safety is the most important issue, and uh, uh, we have to look at it in the very practical terms. What are we going to do with the subway system? How are we going to uh, fix the uh, situation with the safety in a subway system? Um, I have a few ideas I could share uh, one of them. It's not even an idea. Um, for some reason, in, in 2022, we still don't have a closed-circuit TV in the subway system, a closed-circuit TV that would broadcast uh, to the local police stations or even on the uh, cell phones of our police officers. So they would know, they would have a live picture of what's going on in the subway. I think this is something to to think about, and uh, if there is no bill, uh, I, I it's going to be one of my first bills. We have to have that system, and it, it, technically, it's not that difficult to to build. Uh, yeah, the size of it is big; it's more than 400 stations. But but uh, in 2022, we can do it. We can do it using Bluetooth, Wi-Fi, whatever technology uh, we have now. So it's just. Uh, Safety is one of the main issues, and maybe safety in the subway is the main one because if there is no safety in the subway, people wouldn't be coming back to work, many of them. Um, I myself, I'm, I'm worried about my daughter. She lives in, in Berich, a few blocks from the place we're sitting now. Every time she's using a subway, I just I can't wait uh, getting her text. 
uh, you know, either from work or when she's coming home. So it's just, it's a very serious and it, and it's a, it's a very real issue for for New Yorkers. Um, education, uh, schools, they have to turn finally. Uh, they have to they have to listen to the parents rather than listening to UFT Federation of Teachers. Um, the schools should be built on meritocracy, like this country. Uh, um, and uh, we have to identify the best students. And the best way is to have tests and still have gifted and talented programs and have more of them. And um, just uh, in order for us to uh, level the field, I would have some programs uh, in some areas, Coney Island and Bay Ridge as well, uh, for the kids from underprivileged, uh, uh, underprivileged kids from from the families with challenges, to have uh, programs which would prepare kids for those uh, for those tests. But we still have to have gifted and talented schools. We have to have more of them. On the other hand, uh, I believe that not every person uh, uh, at the end of even at the end of uh, high school education ready for college in fact these days uh, some people some blue colors they make you more money than the people with uh, with white colors and for that I think it's important to have uh, uh, to build more vocational schools paired with some union apprenticeship uh, to uh, give people a possibility, uh, a chance to have a good job, good paying job. Yeah, you know, and I agree. And a lot of people would be much better off not going to college, not getting into student mm -hmm. debt, because the worst thing you can do is get the student debt and not graduate from college. Absolutely. And that right. happens to too many people, I think. Right. It's, it happens to the millions of people in the United States. Uh, so this is, I think, uh, one of the one of the major issues in general. In terms of 46 Assembly District, uh, I still have some unfinished business. For example, uh, in 2009, uh, when Mayor Bloomberg was uh, uh, was a mayor, and uh, I was in the Assembly, and uh, a city councilman in the area was Dominic Rekia, a very good and close friend, always a supporter. Uh, we uh, did the rezoning for Coney Island. And one of the major reasons why we did the rezoning was uh, not only uh, have a, a big development, and we're having it on Coney Island. It, there, is a, there are a lot of uh, uh, new buildings because of our rezoning in 2009. But uh, primarily to have a year-round Coney Island amusement area as a, as a year-round destination with a lot of jobs, with the beautiful areas, like in many other cities, with the um, you know musicians playing the instruments on the street. I mean, we just we just had that that those pictures in our offices, and we really believe that one day uh, we'll have a year-round destination, Cornell. But um, it didn't ha happen yet. And uh, in fact, talking to some elected officials in the area, I realized that they just wouldn't even know. That that's, that was the reason. That was the reason to have uh, uh, year-round businesses on Coney Island, to have a lot more jobs, uh, uh, to have uh, um, 
to have to have not only not only uh, businesses that would prosper, uh, but also a beautiful buildings. We were having in our uh, minds, including Mayor Bloomberg, we were having uh, a beautiful pictures with the big hotels and and nice entertainment centers and. Uh, uh, we just we thought it's possible in Corn Island because if you think about Corn Island, if if you think about Corn Island as a property, um, what we have on Corn Island now, I think for the big city like New York City, for the big center of the world like New York City is, it's a shame. Yeah, we have beachfront property in New York City. Yeah, I mean, there's no excuse what happened to it and. Just no. it, it just it just not properly used. Let's put it this way. So this is a, a, a kind of unfinished business for me. Um, there are some some other things in the area, uh, Corn Island, Bayridge, that I would love to fix. For example, I think that the big issue in Bayridge now is the uh, problem of reckless driving. It's very, very dangerous what's going on. And this reckless drive, of course, it's a problem for the whole city. But in Bay Ridge, um, you know, we, we, we know it's not easy to pass through Bay Ridge, uh, just driving through the streets. But when you see some young, let's call them energetic drivers, who just putting uh, all the kids crossing the street in danger? You understand how important it is. I had a conversation with uh, uh, with our commanding officer at six eight. I'm I'm ready to to work on it. It just somehow it needs to be it needs to be solved. It seems to be not uh, uh, not the biggest problem in the world, but it's just very very dangerous to have those drivers on the streets we have to it might be the same the same idea with having a cameras uh, uh showing to our uh, police officers the live picture at the at the time at the moment it might be a solution but we'll look uh, we'll look deeper we'll see what we can do together what about bail reform and what happened in bail reform a oh. few years ago oh <laughs> bail reform is just you know it, it, it's uh, this is a very a very interesting thing that um if we talk about bail reform we should look deeper into what's going on in the democratic party these days because talking to some moderate democrats or people who would call themselves moderates in uh, two years two years ago Three years ago, they would tell you if they honest. Oh, of course, we would we would deal with this bail reform. Of course, yes, of course. But you know, uh, those people, and they will start talking about progressives. They will give us uh, a primaries, which we probably lose. So the situation inside the Democratic Party now is preventing people who. I don't think they're moderate Democrats anymore. And what they're doing in their minds, they're still moderate Democrats. But because they're afraid of uh, of uh, progressives giving them uh, a primaries, they just afraid to do anything with this bail reform, and it's just so so dangerous, especially when it comes to uh, people 
mentally ill people. This is another problem that we have in our city. In the 70s, in the 80s, uh, New York City had some institutions and a decent number of them. But those institutions were not run properly, so, you know, it's an old story. But we uh, we lost a lot of those institutions. Now, uh, the combination between having uh, quite a few mentally ill people on the street and uh, inability of the judges uh, to put them in jail and give them a bail, the combination of that is giving us so many problems in the safety area now. We we gotta the bail reform. We have to get rid of 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 this. But with all the progressive Democrats that's running and popping up everywhere, it's gonna be hard. But people, voters, they supposed to understand deeply what's going on and and why it's going on because of the progressives bail reform is still on because of the progressives who just wouldn't think about the city they just want power now and they want uh, uh, become uh, an elected officials and get into power and uh, they just very active extremely energetic but um, i still hope that america is the place where common sense common sense instilled in uh, in the voters would prevail that's my hope now where can somebody learn more about your campaign your website where can they contribute money to crossneygop.com uh, uh, www.crossneygop.com uh, you can go uh, uh, the website and and learn about myself and uh, my bio and the things that I've done and the things that I'm I hope I'll be able to do, and you can donate, and it's just, it's always, always appreciative, because, um, you know, it just, uh, it's campaign, you have to, you have to spend money. When you're running a campaign, uh, you have to go to the printer, and to the printer, um, word please, not always working, have to bring some money to the printer. (laughs) Just to let the listeners know, Alec is one of the few Democrats I used to support way back when. Thank you, Mike. Okay. 1999, I would say, because 1999 was the first year when I, when I just, I've been exploring the idea of running. You were one of the first people who, who were supporting and 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 supporting me still. So I just, I'm very grateful for, for that. I'm very grateful for this possibility of talking to your listeners thank you very much mike for inviting me and supporting good luck this year let's hope it's going to be a good year thank you so much thank you sir do you have somewhere to sleep did you eat today are you making ends meet for thousands of new yorkers the answer is no for children and youth adults seniors people struggling with addiction or mental illness and for the isolated catholic charities of brooklyn and queens is there with 160 programs and more than 4500 units of affordable housing catholic charities is one of the largest multi-service charitable organizations in the nation we help change lives and build communities if you or someone you know needs assistance call 718-722-6001 or visit ccb BQ.org. I have children. How can I protect them if something happens? Will my to assets be lost if I go into a nursing home? We have property. How it will affect the ones still here? Who will help us take care of grandma? 
These questions can be answered by calling 718-238-6500 for a free consultation from Connors & Sullivan Attorneys at Law, providing dedicated, caring, and highly responsive legal services. They're focused on issues that matter to you, protection of your family, preservation of your assets, and respect of your wishes with dignity. That's all I want from a lawyer, making it easier for my children. Call 718-238-6500. Get a free consultation. Connors & Sullivan's clients don't get lost in the cracks. They have dedicated attorneys who know their clients and the issues that matter most to them. Connors & Sullivan's estate planning, elder law, and probate attorneys work closely with every client. Don't leave behind problems for your family. Call 718-238-6500 and get a free consultation today. Connors & Sullivan. Plan now for later. Do you know how many Christians live in the Middle East? Six million people. Do you know how many Christians need your help? Every single one. Do you know what we can do? With St. Francis in Beirut, we can give them hope. We can give them medicines. We can give them medical equipment. We can give them everything they're looking for. Because some others decided to remove Christianity from the Middle East. But if we will help them every single day, not just to feed them or clothing, it's all about giving them another day with the idea that they are recognized, that we love them, there are cousins, sisters, there are roots. So, St. Francis in Beirut, it's all about helping Christians. And you can be part of that help too. If you want to help Father Paul in his mission, send your donations to St. Francis in Beirut, 213 Stanton Street, New York, New York, 10002. Thanks again to Alec Brooke Krasny. And, you know, talking to some of the people I know in politics, Brooklyn is coming into a sea change, um, you know, in the political basin and whatever. And and Marty Golden we're going to be talking about next week about politics. But there are a lot of seats that the Republican conservative side can pick up in Brooklyn this election as long as we come out and vote. Uh, meanwhile, we're, you know, we're ready to wrap up this week's show. And... Nicole, again, what what's the one lesson that you want the public to take out of our colloquy earlier today? If there's anything that you learn out of today's segment, it's that it's never too early to start your estate plan. I think Mr. Connors would agree. He's shaking his head, but he is not saying anything. <laughs> no, I didn't say that. No, I think you're right. You know, sometimes you shake your head in, in an agreement, you know, but you, you're right. You know, like... Again, sometimes even like, I mean, you know, most of the time nothing happens, but even an 18-year-old could be in an accident, and, you know, you don't like to think about some of those things, but it can happen, and, and you know, and to some extent, it's never too early to do estate planning, and anybody who has a child, anybody who has a young child should do some estate planning, because if nothing else, you want to appoint a guardian for that child, and, you know, whether you do it by deed or will, um... You should have something in place so that something happens to you. And, of course, the, you know, sometimes you say, well, you know, my husband, he's around. I don't need a guardian. Well, something could happen to both of you. And sometimes, you know, in some cases, and we saw this on September 11th, you may not want the parent of the child to handle everything for the child because maybe they're not financially responsible. And we saw that in, you know, September 11th. Let's say a police officer passed away. He's got a child. The mother of the child he was not married to, maybe she's not that responsible. And, you know, do you want that parent to be the guardian to manage 
you know, guardian of the property to manage those assets. So, you know, it's never too early to do estate planning. Now, again, we're doing seminars. Nicole, which seminar are you going to? I'm going to the one on Buckley's. It's the one on June 27th that kicks off the week of seminars. So that's Monday. And then Tuesday, where are we? Tuesday, we're at Connolly's Corner. And when I say we, I mean you. And then Wednesday, you're at Greenhouse Cafe here in Bay Ridge. And Thursday, you're at the Adria in Bayside. And I do want to note, for any of you who are out there thinking, uh, I want to do my estate plan, I'm just going to save some money on the on doing it with the lawyer and I'm going to get a kit, come out to the seminar. Please hear the stories that go on when people choose to not do their estate planning or even worse, do a bad estate plan because there is such thing as a bad estate plan. The seminar will scare you silly into wanting to just come straight to Connors and Sullivan and do it the right way. I promise you're not saving in the long run. Okay, so if you want to come to one of our seminars, give us a call at 718-238-6500. 718-238-6500. In the meanwhile, we're going to be back next week at the same times and stations. Remember, it's never too early to start your estate planning. But thank you for listening to Ask the Lawyer. With me, Mike Connors, accompanied by... Nicole Donnelly, who is always happy to be here with you guys. And my son, Michael. Thanks so much for being with us this week. Sing this all away. We are gathered here on hallowed ground. The voices raised, heads bowed down. We're gathered here on hallowed ground to sing this all away. We are gathered. We are gathered here on hallowed ground. The voices raised, heads bowed down. We're gathered here on hallowed ground to sing this all away. Kevin McCullough, are you or your parents' assets protected from nursing home bills? Did you know these bills can exceed $15,000 a month? People work their entire lives to live comfortably in retirement, but when people become ill and need to go to a nursing home or receive home care, the bills can drain their assets, leaving many people bankrupt. The good news is that you can prevent that from happening if you plan in advance. Connors and Sullivan's lawyers can customize a plan that specifically protects your interests, including your home. Schedule a free comprehensive telephone consultation with Mike Connors to discuss your issues and concerns from the security of your home. Call today, 718-238-6500, 718-238-6500. Don't let nursing home bills take your life's savings and leave you and your loved ones bankrupt. Don't wait another minute. Mike Connors can take you through the process by telephone and start a plan designed for you today. That's 718-238-6500. 718-238-6500. The preceding pre-recorded program paid for by Connors & Sullivan Attorneys at Law, PLLC. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. 
with in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records of the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com, salemnow.com.